Okay, here's where we're at, guys. We're in Lesson 12. And as we were going through Lesson 12, starting in verse 17, specifically verse 17 through 19, the Apostle uh, is telling us to put off, to really, to not live our lives in accordance with the uh, lifestyle of uh, the Gentiles. In fact, the last page of what I gave you are the verses. And so I want you to look at that with me. And what, I, what we're going to do, actually, is I'm going to have you underline a few phrases here and there as we go. Because some of you don't like writing in your Bibles, so I thought, well, I'll just write this on a piece of paper here, and you can uh, underline them so, I, so you can see what's happening here. Notice verse 17. This I say, therefore, and testify in the Lord, that you should no longer walk as the rest of the Gentiles do. Now, he's going to tell you what he means by walk as the rest of the Gentiles do. What specifically is he talking about? In the futility of their mind. So what he's specifically talking about here is, is that you and I don't live like everybody else because they're living their lives the way they do because their minds are futile. So underline that word, that phrase there, in the futility of their mind. Now, he's going to go on then in verses 18 and 19, and he's going to say some key things to help you to understand what it means to walk in the futility of your mind. First of all, having their understanding darkened. So underlined, understanding darkened. So the reason why, one of the reasons why their, their thinking is futile is because their understanding is darkened. They can't see it. They don't understand. Then notice something. Being alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them. So underline that phrase, ignorance that is in them. Because of the blindness of their heart. Underline that phrase, blindness of their heart. And then, who being past feeling have given themselves over to lewdness to work all uncleanness with greediness. Now, underline the phrase, have given themselves over. So what we're seeing here is, is he's describing to us basically really what it means he doesn't want us to walk like they do because the reason why they're walking like they do is their minds are futile. Here's the reasons why their minds are futile. Number one, they have an understanding darkened. They're ignorant. They're, they're blind. Their heart is blinded. You know, and then they've given themselves over. That's the reason why. Now, we're going to talk specifically about those issues here in a little bit. So then he goes and says, verse 20, but you have not so learned Christ. Now, underline that phrase, not so learned Christ. If indeed you have heard him and have been taught by him as truth in as the truth is in Jesus, that you put off concerning your former conduct the old man which grows corrupt according to deceitful lust. So 
underline that phrase, grows corrupt according to deceitful lusts. Underline that phrase now. So what he's trying to say is, is look, if you follow after them, you need, to, you need to put off that old way of living, that unsafe way of living, because their minds are growing corrupt as the days go by. Now let me just stop for a moment. The corruptness and the depravity of their mind is not necessarily, I want you to listen to me, is not necessarily a sexual thing. Because too often times we think of being a reprobate or being depraved with regards to sexual sin. That is not it at all. You could be, you could be Miss Victorian in all of your actions, or Mr. Victorian, and be totally moral and totally perfect, never do anything wrong, help little old ladies go across the street, even show off your marriage badge when you want, earned it for doing that. Do you know what I'm saying? You could do all of that stuff, and you could still be a reprobate and still be depraved, as far as the Scripture is concerned. Because what he's talking about is your understanding and your mind is darkened and depraved. And so he's saying, put that off. And then he goes on in verse 23 and says, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind. Now, underline that phrase, renewed in the spirit of your mind. So really, if I'm not going to live the way they live because their thinking is futile, I need to live differently. Now, how am I going to do that? Because in verse 24, he tells us to live differently and put on the new man which is created according to God in true righteousness and holiness. How am I going to do that? Verse 23 is the key. You want to put a star by verse 23 there. And be renewed in your mind. You've got to have a new mind. You've got to have a new way of thinking. Now, you're saying, really, is it that important well, yeah, let me just give you some thoughts this week. You know, I think uh, Gallup came out with a poll, with either Gallup or Pew Research came out with a poll this week. And here's what they found. When it comes to the Word of God and what Americans believe, three out of ten, only three out of ten Americans believe that the Bible, the Bible that you hold, is the literal Word of God. You can take it literally. Only three out of ten. Another four think it's inspired, but not every word should be taken literally. And then the rest of them just think it's fables. So, I mean, you stop for a moment. That means seven out of ten don't believe that it's the literal word of God. So, you may be here, and it's possible that you don't take it as the literal word of God. Well, you say, well, I believe that. And you profess it, but actually your life, practically, you live something differently. Because it's not that important to you. What we're going to see is, is that there's a reason why you're told to read your Bible. There's a reason why you're told to get into the Word and read it all the time. Because the issue is, you've got to renew your mind. Your mind needs to be renewed. Well, you say, I'm thinking pretty good as it is anyhow. I'm not crazy. I'm not whacked out. I never thought that I need to have my mind renewed. Well, that's why we're having our lesson today, because I'm going to show you. We're going to go through three things here today. We're going to, so if you turn back to the front page, 
We're going to talk about the prior condition of our minds. We're going to talk about what our minds were like before Jesus. Then we're going to talk about the impact of salvation, what salvation has done for us. And then we're going to talk about the, the renewal of our minds. We're going to talk about what it means to renew our minds. We're going to see the call to renewal, and then we're going to, of course, see what we need to do to renew our minds. And so what I've given to you there is bunches of Scripture. You know, I've been a believer now, what year is this? 2011? I've been a believer 26 years now, okay? It never gripped me like, I mean, I've read these passages before, and I've even, oh yeah, you've got to renew your mind, renew your mind with a word. It never really helped, I never really grasped it until now. The reality is, is, does everybody understand, your actions, your attitudes, come out of where? Yeah, your heart. Now, when you, we all point to the heart, but the heart is the essence of who you are, as far as the scripture are concerned. It's not that cardiopulmonary vessel that's, that's pumping within you, okay? It's not that at all. It's, it's, it's the essence of who you are and your mind. So, what comes out of your mind comes out of your mouth. Do you, do you understand what I'm saying? When you speak, it comes out of your mind. Like, how, how many of you have ever done this? You're with something, somebody, and you're thinking a thought. And maybe it's not a good thought, and, and it just came out. And you're like, oh, oh, you wish you could take it back. You know, how many of you know what I'm talking about? You know what I'm saying? Where you just spoke, and it's like, where did that come from? How many? I know exactly where it came from. Your mind. You just didn't have control between the mind and the mouth. Somewhere it didn't go through a certain... Somebody was sleeping at the control panel. The filter, yes. Your guard was down, okay? So what we're talking about is everybody understands your mind is so important. So let's stop for a moment. If I'm talking about... Like here's what we used to do at church. Don't go to certain restaurants. Don't go to those movies. I know you Harry Potter fans. Don't you go. Don't even grace the place. Don't go to that restaurant. Don't watch what part of town you're in. Here, I know here's a good one. I remember I got reprimanded one time. Don't read the Sunday comics. You guys are laughing. How many of you know what I'm talking about? You know the kind of okay? Don't read the why did they put them in the Sunday paper? Why do you get the Sunday paper then? I don't understand that one. You know, you're supposed to read them on Monday. You know, I mean, you, you know what I'm saying? It doesn't make sense. You know, and so we got all this stuff, and we're told don't watch TV. I mean, have you heard that one? Okay. We have all of these rules, but nobody tells you why. I'm convinced that they don't know why. They're just nice rules. But there are, really, when you think about the renewal of your mind, and you look and see what the Scripture says, you're going to understand that your behavior needs to change, not because you've got to follow a rule, but because you're thinking about your mind. Do you understand what I'm saying? You're thinking about your sanctification. You're thinking about becoming more and more like Jesus. 
So let me give, give you an example of what I'm talking about. I was meditating on a couple of verses here a few weeks ago. I was meditating on the first couple chapters of Job, and I was thinking about, remember when Satan appeared before Job? And, and, and God says, excuse me, before God, yes. Satan appeared before God, and, and God says, Hey, have you considered my servant Job? Did you notice what he said? Did you notice what God said when he says, Have you considered my servant Job? He said, Man, he's got a big, huge herd of cattle, doesn't he? Look at that flock of sheep that guy has. Boy, look at how many servants he has working for him. Look at how many camels he has. And I think his bank account's really big, too. Don't you think he's great? He's doing really good. He's a great businessman. Did you notice that's what God didn't say to him? What did he say to him? Have you considered my servant? And he talked about his what? His righteousness. His character. See, this is what God ultimately is interested in about you and I. He's interested in us, in our character. About becoming who we need to become. Now, the only way that's going to happen, folks, is if we renew our mind. Do you understand what I'm saying? So it's like, for instance, how many of you know somebody who has an addiction issue? I mean, everybody... Have you noticed that sometimes, no matter how much you talk to them, they just can't see it? And, 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 and they try to stop and they can't stop. One of the things that's got to change first is what, folks? Their thinking, their mind. Until their thinking changes, are they ever going to overcome it? No. No, it can't. So let's look here. First of all, our prior condition. First thing I want you to see is, I'm going to have you underline certain phrases, okay? Titus chapter 1. You're going to notice that as we go through these scriptures, they're all over the place. This is a major issue about the removing of the mind. This is not just one little thing that he's talking about in three places here. You're going to see that this is an issue throughout the New Testament. So notice with me, Titus, To the pure all things are pure. To those who are defiled and unbelieving, nothing is pure. So for an unsafe person, nothing is pure. So notice what it says here. But even, he's talking about an unsafe person, even their mind and conscience are defiled. So underline that. Even their mind and conscience are defiled. Here's what I want you to see. What's it saying about the mind of, of a person who is not saved? It's what? Defiled. Now let's stop for a moment. Before you became a Christian, what condition was your mind in? Yeah, it was defiled. You understand? So you, we're talking about when you come to Jesus, you come to Jesus with a defiled mind. Alright, let's look at Colossians chapter 1, verse 21. And you, now he's talking here, and you who were, who once were alienated and enemies in your mind by wicked works, yet now he has reconciled. So here he's talking about your prior condition, so underline this phrase, alienated and enemies in your mind. So before Jesus, in your mind, you're thinking you were what? Alienated from God and what? Enemies in your what? In your mind. Do you, you, you understand what I'm saying? You, your mind was not right. Now look with me at Philippians chapter 3, 
verses 18 through 19. For many walk of whom I've told you often and now tell you even weeping that they are enemies of the cross of Christ whose end is destruction, whose God is their belly and whose glory is in their shame who set their minds mind on what? Earthly things. So he's talking again about unsaved people here. And what do they set their mind on, folks? So underline that phrase, who set their mind on earthly things. The mind of an unsaved person is geared towards what? Yeah, now. Earthly things. Let me just stop for a moment. None of what we're talking about is like we kind of reduce it down to, oh, it's just a sexual pervert thing. No, 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 no. It's talking about the condition of everybody's mind, period. No matter how moral you are or no matter how depraved you are. Your minds aren't right before God. They don't think right. Okay? They're set on things now. Now, here's a good passage. Now, remember our Ephesian passage. Verses 17 through 20 of chapter 4. We're going to get into Romans chapter 1 here. Verses 21 through 32, and I'm going to have you underline certain phrases, and you're going to be like, wow, that was we just read that in Ephesians. Here he's describing Gentiles. Now, who's Gentiles, folks? Us. Now, look at what he says here. Because they knew God and did not glorify God, nor were thankful, but became futile in their thoughts. We already read about that, didn't we? Underline that phrase. Futile in their thoughts. And notice the next part. And their foolish hearts were what? Darkened. Underline that part. Foolish hearts darkened. And changed the glory of the incorruptible God into an image made like the corruptible man, birds and four-footed animals and creeping things. And therefore God also gave them up to uncleanness. Okay, underline that phrase. Gave them up. In the lust of their hearts, to dishonor their bodies among themselves, who exchanged the truth of God for a lie, and worshipped and served the creature rather than the Creator, who is blessed forever. Amen. For this reason... God gave them up to vile passions. So again, underline that phrase, gave them up. For even their women exchanged the natural use for what is against nature. Likewise, also men, leaving the natural use of women, burned in their lust for one another, men with men committing what is shameful, and receiving in themselves the penalty of their error which is due. And even as they did not retained God in their knowledge, God gave them over to a debased mind. Okay, underline that phrase right there. Gave them over to a debased mind. To do those things which are not fitting, being filled with unrighteousness, sexual immorality, wickedness, covetousness, maliciousness, full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, Evil-mindedness, they are whisperers, backbiters, haters of God, violent, proud, boasters, inventor of evil things, disobedient to parents, undiscerning, untrustworthy, unloving, unforgiving, unmerciful, who knowing the righteous judgment of God, 
that those who practice such things are deserving of death, not only do the same, but also approve of those who practice them. Boy, this is really like what we just read in Ephesians, isn't it? Except a little bit more elaborate. Now, let me just stop for a moment. I'm going to, I'm going to clarify something here. For years, though, when we read things like, for instance, I think the King James says that he gave them up over to a reprobate mind. Those of you who have a King James, is that correct? For years, though, we would quote this passage and talk about people at some point that they cross a line, and when they cross that line, God gives them up over to a reprobate mind. How many know what I'm talking about? Let me just go ahead and say it to you right now. That is not what this passage is saying. The passage is saying they're already given up. Do you understand what I'm saying? They're already given up because their minds are what? Yeah, they're, they're, they're defiled. They're, they're, they're anti-God. They're unsaved. So they're already given up. In fact, isn't that what he says in Ephesians? That they were given up over to what? Lewdness and all uncleanness? He's talking about the Gentiles there. You know, and that's the kind of teaching that happens sometimes in our circle of churches. This is not what the passage is saying. You already are given over to a reprobate mind. Because your mind's not right. Does everybody understand? So does everybody understand the people that we're living like out there who don't know Jesus, what kind of mind do they have? Yeah, a defiled mind, a debased mind, a reprobate mind. You understand? Because they can't think right. They're dark, they're, they're understanding, their hearts are darkened, they're, they're spiritually blind, they're ignorant. Okay, let's go on then. So, here's what happens to, and the, notice there, futility of the mind, understanding darkened, ignorance that is in them, blindness of the heart, past feeling, giving themselves over. So now here's the impact of salvation. Now let's stop for a moment. Does everybody understand, before Jesus, That was you. Every one of us here was that before Jesus. You've got to get that in your mind. There is nothing good about you. I don't care what family you came from. I don't care how good and, and great you were. There's nothing good about you or me. Because our minds were evil and wicked. Okay? Now, here's what happens, the impact of salvation. Look with me, Titus chapter 2, verses 11 through 13. For the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men, teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lusts, that we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in the present age, looking for the blessed hope and the glorious appearing of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. Now, here's what I want you to underline. Teaching us. Salvation teaches you how to say what? No to ungodliness. So salvation comes, it gives you a new mind. It gives you a new ability now. It teaches you so that you're not... You know, here's the, how many of you know what I'm talking about? If you have a computer especially, if something goes wrong, you can, you can click a certain button and it will go back to the default settings. You know what I'm talking about? We default to certain behaviors. 
Maybe it's anger. Maybe it's some kind of other attitude or something. We default to our behaviors that we have trained our minds in because our minds are, are, are not where they should be. Now, here's what I want you to see. Now the training process has to begin to tell our minds differently. And how do we do that? Salvation then teaches us to what, according to this passage? Say no. Salvation teaches us to say no. All right, look at the next passage here. 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7. For God has not given us, us a spirit of fear, but of power and love and of a sound mind. Now, underline that word there, sound mind. God gives you part of salvation, what? A sound mind. So he gives you the capacity now to change things. So then let's get to the third part there, the renewal of the mind. Now here, I'm going to focus, first of all, on a lot of different verses that tell us to renew our mind, and then I'm going to tell you how to renew your mind. First of all, you've got to understand that when I'm talking about the renewal of the mind here, this is not just some pet little thing that George picked out out of the Bible for us to talk about this week. This is actually through many scriptures that we're going to see here that tell us that you and I have to actively do something with our minds. So here's the first one. 1 Peter chapter 4, verses 1 to 3. Therefore, since Christ suffered for us in the flesh, arm yourselves also with the same mind. For he who has suffered in the flesh has ceased from sin, that he should no longer live the rest of his time in the flesh for the lusts of men, but for the will of God. For we have spent enough of our past lifetime in doing the will of the Gentiles when we walked in lewdness, lusts, drunkenness, revelries, drinking parties, and abominable idolatries. Here's what I want you to see. Underline that phrase, arm yourselves also with the same mind. Underline that phrase. Now, here's another phrase I want you to underline. For we have spent enough of our past lifetime in doing the will of the Gentiles. Here's what Peter is saying. Peter is saying, you need to arm yourselves, what? With the same mind. What kind of mind is he talking about? If you go back a few verses, he's talking about the reality of Christ and his suffering for us. You need to have that kind of a mindset. And he goes on a little bit later, just a couple verses down, and he says, because you've already spent enough time living like the Gentiles have. You've already spent enough of your lifetime living in the futility of your thinking. You've got to live differently. You understand? You've got to change your mind. All right, let's go on now. Look at 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 13 through 16. Therefore, gird up the loins of your mind. Be sober, rest your hope fully upon the grace that is brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ as obedient children, not conforming yourselves to the former lusts, as in your ignorance. But as he called you is holy, you also be holy in all your conduct. Because it is written, Be holy, for I am holy. Alright, here's what I want you to do. I want you to underline that phrase. Gird up the loins of your mind. Now, under, let me explain to you. What does that mean, gird up? Because in, in, in our minds, we, we think of a girder. 
you know, a steel girder, you know, a support. Well, you could look at it that way. But in their culture, you have to understand, they didn't wear pants. They didn't wear shorts. They wore long, flowing robes. Now, have any of you tried to run in a dress that's down to your ankles? What's it like? Huh? You can't move very fast. So what they would do is, the men would then grab a hold in between their legs, grab a hold of the garment, and bring it up and tuck it into their belt. And then they could run. What's that? Praise the Lord for pants, yes. Yeah. Now some preachers wouldn't say that, but we'll say it, okay? Uh, pants are okay for men, some preachers would say. Okay. But here's what you're doing. So you're preparing yourself, you're preparing your mind for a race. You're preparing, you're preparing your mind to go trucking, to keep going. Do you understand? Now, there's another phrase I want you to underline because, again, notice it's the issue is the renewal of your mind. Look at what it says there. Verse 14, Not conforming yourselves to your former lusts as in your ignorance. Underline that phrase. Conforming yourselves to your former lusts as in your ignorance. Again, talking about your prior what? Mind condition. Now look at Colossians chapter 3, verse 2. Set your mind on things above, not on things on earth. Again, what am I supposed to set my mind on? Things above. So underline that phrase. Set your mind on things above. So I'm told to what? Start thinking about things that are above. I'm start thinking about the things the way God sees them. Philippians chapter 2, verse 5. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. So I need to start thinking the way who thinks? Jesus thinks. So underline that phrase, let this mind be in you. Let's turn over. Here's a well-known passage. I've often used it. Verse 12, chapter 12, verse 2 of Romans. And do not be conformed to the image of this, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is the good and acceptable and perfect will of God. What's it say here? Underline the phrase, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Now hold on a second. Here it's going a little bit step further. Before it's telling me not to conform to the way everybody else is living. But rather, I'm to be transformed. That's the word we get. We use, how many of you remember from high school science, metamorphosis. And what happens with a, you know, a little worm when it gets into a chrysalis and it becomes a butterfly. It metamorphoses, you know. That's what the word is, is that you change from the inside out. Now, how are you supposed to change from the inside out? What's it say there? Be transformed by what? The renewing of your mind. See, the way you're going to change, the way you're going to change, folks, is your thinking's got to change. And if you notice something here, you may want to put this one there. Just, if you want to, you can lightly underline the next phrase. Then you'll be able to prove what is the good and acceptable will of God. How many of you here would like to know what the will of God is for your life? I do. 
you got to change your thinking first. Because when your thinking changes, you'll know what the Word of God is. You understand what I'm saying? That's what the verse is saying. See, that's the call to renewal. So he's saying, okay, George, I got it. Well, how do we do it? Let's look at a few things here. Renewal of your mind. Philippians 4, verse 8. We've heard this verse many times. Those of you who have been around for a long time in Christian circles. This one you need to put on your TV or on your computer screen. Finally, brethren, whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of good report, if there is any virtue and if there is anything praiseworthy, meditate on these things. That's the phrase I want you to to, uh, underline right there. Meditate on these things. Now, does anybody understand what meditation is? Who can give me a definition of meditation? Okay, think. Okay. What? Pondering. Okay, everybody's got the Christian definition. Now, uh, the Hollywood definition is you sit around there and you go, mm, you know, and you and you let everything leave your mind. You know what I'm saying? It comes from, uh, you know, some Bhagwan somewhere and, you know, uh, some transcendental meditation or something. That is not Christian. Christian meditation is not the emptying of the mind. Christian meditation is actually the reverse. It's the filling of the mind with what? Scripture. So Paul is saying here, whatever is pure, whatever is holy, whatever is right, whatever is just, whatever, you think, you meditate on those things. You ponder those things. And you know what? We already know that, don't we? I, I mean, I like watching TV. I don't watch TV anymore, but I know that I'm... A, if, 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 I'm in a, if I'm in a restaurant and I'm sitting in the wrong place... And I can see a TV screen. Brad just said it, because he and I have eaten in many restaurants together. I, he just called me. I'm toast. Oh, he got the ball! You know, I mean, I'm glued to the TV. Now, so I love TV. But here's the thing, though. Have you ever noticed, folks, I'm not going to tell you whether or not to watch TV. Here's what I am going to tell you. Watch what you put in your mind. Watch what you put in your mind. It goes to the same thing with the Internet. Watch what you put in your mind. Because you ever noticed, you ever watched a show and something came on and it just troubled you and you thought about it later on? Maybe it was something graphically violent or something and it just shook you and you thought about it for the rest of the day? How many of you know what I'm talking about? Or how many of you know you watched a show and it was such an emotional show and you were an emotional wreck for the next couple hours afterwards? Not you guys. You know, unless you're talking about the, you know, the dirty dozen and the guy who runs up with a grenade and he can't make it and you're crying because the guy can't make it and he gets killed by the Germans, you know, you feel for him. You know, that's you, know, you guys know what I'm talking. About. Okay, you, you know what I'm saying? You, you know what I'm saying? You watch something. Visual things are powerful. They can affect you. Look, that's what the whole advertising industry is based on. Why do you think they come up with these new crazy harebrained ridiculous commercials? Because they're trying to send you a message to what? Your stomach? Your mind. 
How many of you remember years ago was big controversy about the films and about how you know they kind of got on them about using products. You know they would you know you go into a room there's a guy talking and he's got a big Pepsi can and you see the Pepsi can there. And what they found through research was is just you seeing the Pepsi can in a movie made you want to go what? Go get a Pepsi. Yeah, the power of suggestion. Okay? This is the whole point. So verse 8 is talking about you make an effort to think on those things which are good. All right, here's another one. Psalm 119, verse 9. Here's a great verse. I learned this in the King James years ago as a young man. But I'm going to give it to you in the New King James. How can a young man cleanse his way? So, okay, let's stop for a moment. This is an issue, isn't it? With how do I clean up my act? I mean, you, we've used that phraseology. You've got to clean up your act. How do you clean up your act? It tells you right here. By taking heed according to your word. It's God's word. When you take heed to it, when you do what it says, that's how you clean up your act. So how am I supposed to know what to do what God's Word says? you got to what first, folks? Read it! So you can underline that whole phrase right there. How can a young man cleanse his way by taking heed according to your Word? Here, look again, just a couple verses down. Psalm 119, verse 11. Your Word have I hidden in my heart that I might not sin against you. Underline that whole phrase. Your word have I hidden him. And how am I going to hide God's word in my heart? Am I going to have go to the doctor and have him put a little slot in that I could put one of those pocket New Testaments into my chest and, and I know it's right there? Or I, I wear my Bible around my neck or something? I mean, what, what, how do I get that? Thinking. It's talking about not your pulmonary muscle there. It's talking about the essence of who you are. Your word I hide in my life. So that I don't sin against you. So, okay, wait a minute. We know I don't sin against you. Think about Jesus faced those three temptations. How did we respond to every one of the temptations? Scripture. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13, it says, There is no temptation taken to man except that which is common to man, but God is faithful, and he will provide a what? A way of escape. I used to think, you know, when I was a younger man, I used to think, Okay, God, I'm facing this temptation. Where's the door? You know what I'm talking about? How do I get out of here? I quit that. I'm looking for the door. The door is the Word of God. You take one verse, you put it with another verse. Thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. You understand what I'm saying? That's the whole issue. You've got to get in the Word. You've got to get in the Word. Okay, let's go on then. Look at verse 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 13 through 15. Till I come, give attention to the reading and to the exhortation to doctrine. So here's what he's saying. Give attention to reading. Reading what? Scripture. Give attention to exhortation. What's that? Preaching. Give attention to doctrine. Do not neglect the gift that is in you, which was given to you by prophecy with the laying on of hands by the hands of the eldership. But here it is. Meditate on these things. Give yourself entirely to them that your progress may be evident to all. Underline verse 15. How many of you know this, this type of thing? When are you going to change? I'm sorry, I'm going to change. 
Yeah, I've heard your lip service before. I'm not going to believe anything until I see it. Look at what this verse is saying. Meditate on these things. Give yourself entirely to them. That your what? Progress may be evident to all. You understand how you're going to notice the change in people's lives is what? God's Word. Giving yourself to God's Word. Thinking on it. Meditating on it. Giving yourself. In fact, isn't that what verse 2 said of chapter 12? Be not... Be not conformed to this world, but what? Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. The change takes place because I what? Renew my mind. Alright. We've got two minutes. Let's wrap this up. Here's what Paul's doing. He's telling us, we'll go back to Ephesians 4. He's saying, guys, don't live like everybody else lives because their thinking is messed up. Their thinking is futile. Do you understand? They have an unsafe mind. You're completely different. God's given you a new mind. You need to renew that mind. So put off the old behavior because you're renewing your mind and because you're renewing your mind you put on the new behavior. Now every one of us here wants to change in some way, don't we? Am I right? Every one of us here wants to change in some area of our life. Can I tell you that change is possible, but here's how it's possible. You first renew your thinking. You first saturate your minds. See, you can change your mind. But it's what what you do with God's Word. So let's get back to what I said earlier about the poll. Three out of ten only believe it's the literal Word of God. Do you believe it? Do you believe it's God's word for you? It's God's revelation to you, for us, to humanity. If you believe that, and if you believe it has the power to change you, then what's keeping you from reading it? You're displeased with something in your life? You want God to change something? See, here's the thing. You know what? I, I have a little bit of influence in my life from the holiness movement. How many of you understand what the holiness movement is? Okay? The holiness movement is uh, conforming to a bunch of rules to be holy and that, you know, if you pray, Jesus will change you. And so you go to the altar all the time praying, Oh God, change me. I mean, you know what I'm talking about. Give me victory. I don't find that in the Bible. Paul says this. Work out your salvation. He's not saying work for salvation. He's saying work it out. Folks, we're in a hard job here. And it's called the conformity of our lives to the image of Jesus Christ. Now, he gives us the strength to do it. He helps us to do it. But we've got to be the ones who take the bull by the horns and get it under control. And that means we've got to do what? Get in the Word. By whatever means. Get in the Word. Okay, let's close our time of prayer.